In this episode, Britt is coming on the podcast to share both of her birth stories. Her first birth with her daughter, she had a hospital birth with a midwife team that was unmedicated. And her second birth, she actually was able to plan a home birth. Some things that we talk about are chiropractic care, hypnobirthing, retained placenta and hemorrhage, the re-approach to parenting, as well as elimination communication. Here's Britt's episode. Hello and welcome to What The Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. Today we have Britt coming on the podcast to share both of her birth stories. So thank you for being here and sharing your stories with us. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So first off, Britt, tell me a little bit about yourself and about your family. Yeah. So I live in the Davidson area, moved here with my husband a couple of years ago. We love it. Um, we actually met at a wedding and I sat next to his mom and he was in the wedding party. And so he was like walking down the aisle and she like in a really Southern voice, like taps down the leg and she goes, that's my son. Ooh, he's super cute. Um, and yeah, that was four years ago now. Okay. So his mom set you guys up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Where did you guys move to Davidson from? From Chester, South Carolina. So we dated for like six months. Um, and then we got engaged and got married three months later so it was really quick. And at the time we were living in Chester, South Carolina, which like middle of nowhere. And we were actually living in a camper at an oh. airport. It was a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it. <laughs> we grew out of that space. And with babies and things like that, we moved up here. That's awesome. Me and my husband actually dated for six months and then got engaged and got married exactly three months later also. So, so much fun. I yes. love it. Yeah. From like the day we met to being married was like nine months, um, total. (laughs) Yes, you do. That's, that's very true. All right. So let's start off then with your first pregnancy and your first kind of birth story. Tell me about finding out you were pregnant with your first baby. Were you guys trying or was it a surprise? No, we weren't trying. So we got married in June and I like really try to be holistic and like healthy and all the things. And so I was like, I want to do natural family planning. I think it'll be so great. <laughs> and it is, everything happens for a reason. Um, but about six weeks later, we found out we were expecting our first daughter. So, <laughs> so that failed right from the start. <laughs> I probably uh, didn't follow the instructions properly, but um, obviously we were super excited and we knew that we wanted a family. We just weren't necessarily like trying for it. Um, And so found that we were pregnant really quickly. And again, like just trying to be really holistic. I knew that I wanted to like do the midwife thing and um, natural birth. That's awesome. So now how was, what was that first pregnancy like? It was really easy. I think first pregnancies are tricky because you, you really just don't know yeah. what to fully expect. And there's so many little changes and even people talk about it, but like I'm pretty active. I like to do CrossFit and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to like keep being able to do that. And in a lot of ways I still was. And thankfully I did a lot of extra coaching with a pelvic floor specialist and like research really in depth on what it looks like to exercise and be fit while you are pregnant and got a lot of like extra mentoring and coaching and things like that. But still, even the little things of like the relaxing and how that affects your joints and towards the end, when you're not sleeping great, the idea of, um, just working out and being in beast mode at the gym, like it just does not happen quite that way, or at least it did it for me. And so I think I had a really easy pregnancy. I just, had so much to learn through the whole process, just like everybody else does. Yeah. I guess it is like hard in the beginning because even like being a doula and a labor and delivery nurse, like I felt like I knew so much going into pregnancy. And then while I was pregnant, I was like, what's this? What is this? What is this? Yeah. There's so many little nuances and you can listen to a million podcasts and like read a million books and all of those things, but it's still not the same as just like walking it out and like going through it. And it's such a special time, but it's definitely a lot to learn. 
Yes, it really is. So now you did mention like you wanted to kind of be as natural as possible, go the midwife route. So what were you planning? What kind of like birth preferences did you have for this first pregnancy? Yeah. So I really got into hypnobirthing, which is a little bit different from hypnobabies, but like that was kind of what really resonated with me. Um, I wanted to do a home birth for my first one. And as you know, in the Carolinas, like South Carolina, you can technically do it, but there's still just like, I could not find any resources. And at the time I didn't know anybody like living in Chester. It's just a really small town. Like I just couldn't really find anything that I was really comfortable with or not even just comfort, but anything at all, um, in like the home birth world. And it was still my first one. So I decided to do is do hypnobirthing. I did hire a doula and then I had my daughter at Novant Uptown. So it was like a 45 minute drive to the hospital. This was 2019. And so there was one birth center that was in the process of shutting down. And they were very clear with us of like, Hey, we're not accepting anybody else. And my area didn't have midwives. And I knew that I definitely at the very least wanted a midwife. And so just kind of sucked it up and drove all the way into uptown. And I really had a good experience there for a hospital birth. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I know it can be really hard um, in the home birth world to find anything. Like you said, South Carolina can be a little bit easier. Um, and people always say like, it's illegal in North Carolina and it's not necessarily like illegal to have a home birth. You can have a home birth. That's not illegal. It's just technically illegal for like a practitioner, like a certified nurse midwife to attend it, I guess it, it's, it's really confusing the regulations around it here, but um, yeah. Yeah, that is mainly like the whole issue with it. Um, so you planned the hospital birth midwife. You said you did hypnobirthing. So were you planning on going on medicated? Yes. Okay. So now nearing the end of your pregnancy, what was that labor like? How did that birth kind of happen and unfold? Yeah, she was her due date. I'm trying to remember. I think it was May 4th. And so I went into labor May 2nd. I was really tired that day. So I ended up taking like a three hour nap, woke up and I was feeling like a new woman. So I was like, Ooh, like the baby's almost here. Let's do something like really romantic. I'm going to make steak and I do not cook. So this is like extra special. I like go to the store. I like make this really nice steak, literally sit down to eat it. I like cut the first bite and, and I was also trying to get my iron up. So I was like really trying to do all of the right things that pregnancy. (laughs) And, uh, had my first contraction, like before I even had the first bite. And I felt so nauseous, like with my first daughter, which this is not normally how first births are, but like it came fast and my contractions were like five minutes apart, pretty much from the first one that I felt, which, you know, perhaps there were small contractions the rest of the day. And I just didn't notice it because I was napping. Right. And so my husband called the hospital and said, you know, Hey, my wife's in labor. They're five minutes apart. Also talked to the doula. And she said, you know, labor at home as long as you can, of course. And that was our plan, but they were already five minutes apart. And so we did want to go ahead and like call the hospital and triage bless them their job. And I know this, right. Their job is to keep you at home as long as possible and make sure, I don't want to say that you're lying, but like, there are some people that are quite dramatic. And so their job is to make you feel like you're lying. That's what it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're on the phone with my husband and they're like, this is her first labor. There's no way her contractions are five minutes apart. It made him feel dumb. And he's like, this is not that hard to count. Like I, it is what it is. Like, I'm right. like, these are the facts. So, and we lived again an hour away. So we went ahead and started making our way to the hospital. Um, triage, my triage experience was not great. And, um, I hate to bash the hospital, but they really did like try so hard to push me into getting medication they were like, oh, well, I understand you want to do it naturally, but let's just go ahead and get you an IV and get you set up on fluids in case you change your mind. And I'm like, can you just leave me alone? Like, I don't need to be <laughs> Just let me do my thing. And then they ended up not having a room ready. And so by the time I got to the birthing room, I had my daughter like 45 minutes later. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was like 
I guess a lot of my hospital. Oh, other things in my hospital experience. So my midwife, so kind. And at the time, Nova only had two midwives and I believe they're both still there and they are fabulous. I think that if you are going to use a midwife and want to be at a hospital, like I really did love them. It's just triage doesn't get it. You know, like that's not their world. And my labor, I had her in a squat position which was pretty cool. And they're like yeah. super supportive of just like letting me move around. I wanted to do a water birth. I got in the pool and I was like, oh, I do not want a water birth. <laughs> I am not comfortable at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hated, I hated the water too. I like tried to get in the tub here at home before leaving for the hospital. And I was like, nope, this just is not it for me. If you're like on that all natural path, you're like, it's like the dream, you know, yes. that you're just like going to be in like this soothing tub of water and just like floating around in your baby. You're just like, just going, you're just breathing it down. My first birth, that was not my story. It's still <laughs> a really lovely, um, you know, nothing bad happened. Um, right. I think it was a wonderful label all in all. It was like five and a half hours. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, I can, my, um, experience is really similar. I, my labor was like, I think six hours from my first contraction and I got to the hospital and was, uh, nine centimeters. So, and they were five minutes it. apart from the start also. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Very similar. Like you're talking and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. So, okay. So now talking about your second birth, um, I know you kind of had planned something different and had something different. So tell me first about finding out, well, first of all, was your first birth a boy or girl? Girl. Girl. Okay. So now tell me about your second pregnancy, finding out you were pregnant. Yes. We knew we wanted our kiddos to be close in age. It's just so fun, you know, um, for us and for them, like, okay, we already have a little one. So let's just like get the show on the road. We're going to have another one. And so we definitely were trying that time again, happened like praise the Lord happened quickly for us again. And so they are exactly two years apart, uh, like to the month. So found out we were pregnant and I was going to go the same route just because again, did not love triage, did not love the over medicalization of the birth process. But at the same time, I felt like in North Carolina, that was my best option. And so started seeing my midwives again, love them and started back doing massage and Cairo and all of the things that I normally do. And living in Davidson, we've just made awesome friends. And somebody was like, Oh, I actually, I know of a girl that does home birth. You should, um, ask her who her midwife is. And so I did that, I reached out to this girl on Instagram. I was like, Hey, I think you have your kids at home. Will you tell me you use? And that's so much of how it's done is what I'm yes. like starting to learn is like, this is the Word of mouth. That's it. Yes. The home birth thing in North Carolina. And I met with her at really low expectations just because again, I kind of tried it with my first one and had a hard time finding people. And she was a dream. And it was like such a great connection from the very first conversation. And I was able to talk to a couple of other midwives just to check it out. All five that I talked to were wonderful women. And I was just like, so blown away that there's this whole, um, like midwife system that's kind of underground and they're so high quality too. You know, my other thing was like, Ooh, if they're willing to do this and not really actually have a business, I wonder how great they are. And to be honest with you, they're so phenomenal. And like, I trusted them completely through the whole process. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that makes me really happy that you were able to kind of, like I said, it's all word of mouth, but if you can, you know, figure it out and, and find somebody, they usually are amazing. Like you said. Yeah. All right. So second pregnancy, then kind of take me through your pregnancy. What was it like? Any bumps in the road? I know you kind of said it was, you know, the first one, you don't really know what's normal and what's not. Um, so how was your second pregnancy different? Yes. The so second one, I did have like some nausea, but outside of that, I felt just a lot more prepared for knowing, okay, this is what, what even labor is going to be like, like my first labor, obviously tried to stay calm, but you just don't know what it's going to feel like. And so this time I was like, okay, I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I know what the process is going to look like. 
and all of the prep was the same. I just think I was more confident in the decisions that I was making. Like, I didn't feel like I needed to talk to my mom as much about it or even to friends and be like, Oh, is this the right thing? Or what prenatal vitamins should I take? I just like, I was just more sure of myself and like confident in motherhood. And so I was able to enjoy it more, even though I did have the nausea, which is something I didn't experience at all with my first. And I really, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say that I am the person that like loves being pregnant. You just get so large. You do get very large, (laughs) (laughs) but the other symptoms, um, you know, I think that there's so many ways to, to just enjoy that season if you can. Yeah. I like how you put it. Like you kind of know what to expect more. So you feel a little bit like more confident Um, because even with my first pregnancy, like I said, I thought I knew so much because, you know, I help um, people birth babies for a living, but I was like texting coworkers and friends every day being like, is this normal? Is this normal? Is this normal? Cause I was like, but you know, before somebody's like 38 ish weeks, I don't really take care of them ever. So when I was like in the middle of my pregnancy, I didn't know anything. So, um, I'm excited for that for next time. Like you said, like the confidence is just a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, have a lot less to learn because some things just kind of stick with you. Mm-hmm. And yes, every pregnancy is different, but there's still just some things you just go into it. Not as well. Yeah. So what was the care like that? Like how, how much did that differ from your first pregnancy being in like a conventional hospital system with midwives to then the care of being with a home birth midwife? Yes, it's, it is so different. Okay. So you go into a hospital and probably a lot of people already know this, but you go into a hospital Um, at least for me, it was like a pretty big building where my midwife team was located. And so it's like a whole debacle to park and like go and waddle really is what you're doing when you get to a certain point, um, waddle my big old hiney into their office. And then you also, you know, just the COVID protocols was another reason I understand why they do what they do. It just wasn't what I wanted for my birth, if that makes sense. Um, but you go in and (laughs) I think the biggest thing that I found is even the way that they listen to baby and find baby. So you go to the hospital and they have their little heart rate monitor Doppler thing, and they just like stick it on your belly any which way. And then it takes them like 45 seconds to find your kid. And that's fine. Except that I don't know if any other moms are this way, but like I hold my breath that whole 45 seconds. Cause I'm like, I need to hear a heartbeat. <laughs> You know, like you just have this moment and every single time I would go to the hospital, they'd be like, Ooh, she's being tricky to find. Or like, Oh, she must be sleeping. Um, and I took that at face value, but I think this is just like one really obvious place. You can tell a difference between home birth midwife care. She was, she would literally like rub her hands together and she'd be like, okay, little baby, I can't wait to see you today. And she would look at my stomach and she could tell by the way, my stomach was sitting where baby was. And she would literally like put her hand on my daughter's, um, little body, like instantly, no problem. And then she would feel her just with her hands. And then she would put the Doppler on and every single time be able to hear like the second that she put um, the Doppler on my stomach. And I just think it speaks to how well they listen to themselves, how trained they actually are, the way that they listen to their intuition and the way that they just know mamas and know babies so well. And they don't get sidetracked with all the paperwork and all of like the hospital thing. Yes. It's so much more hands-on. Yes, truly. Um, and so that's like just one really big area, but also it's just so nice that her office was in her home. She so just like go in. It just feels like you just get the warm and fuzzies when you're there. And that is not, I don't think anybody feels warm and fuzzies when they're at a hospital. No. So, um, I would always leave and I don't know, it's just a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people say like, but the example that you gave is like a really good overall visual, I think of the difference, you know, like you said, even though that's one small thing, it's a good visual, like just the difference in, in not getting caught up with the paperwork and being able to be just like hands-on and intentional with, with their work, not to bash hospital midwives. They're amazing too. Um, but it is definitely different at home. You just have less resources. You have less distraction. You're also seeing less patients. You know, midwives at the office have a patient every 10 to 15 minutes. Your home birth midwife might have only seen you that whole day. You know, you don't, it's, it's very more intense. It's much more intentional. Yes. And I do want to say, if I could about hospital midwives, I spoke with one of my midwives, again, huge fans. 
And I asked her why she did it at a hospital, because obviously I could see how just those two viewpoints could potentially conflict. And she had such a great answer for me. She's like, I feel like every single person deserves access to holistic healthcare. And so, yes, in some ways I, um, I stick out like a sore thumb compared to the other OB practitioners here, but she had just mentioned to me that it was so worth it. So that way, if somebody was a VBAC or um, maybe had never had an experience with a midwife or had never heard of one, it was an easy transition or maybe someone super high risk, but wants to at least try, um, that line of care, then they could, and they could do it in a safer environment. And there's such a place and a need for that as well. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's, I like that. That was her answer. Cause that's very true. Like it makes that kind of holistic care accessible for people who, you know, would risk out of a home birth because it's exactly. definitely not for everybody. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. So now going into this birth, obviously you're planning a home birth. Did you do hypnobirthing again, doula? What kind of did you do to prepare? Yeah. It, so I did not formally practice hypnobirthing the second time around. I did listen to an ebook. I think her name's like Morgan Mongnan, who's the one that like created hypnobirthing. And it just kind of had some anecdotal things from her. And I also really like, I don't remember the one in Tennessee, the farm. Oh, um, Ina May. Yes. Ina May Gaskin. Yep. Love her book. And I would just listen to one mama story every day and just like found so much encouragement in that. And it doesn't have anything technical to do with birth, but I just think it did help get my mindset right of like, this is a very normal thing. And these are, you know, some best practices for getting your baby out, but like really just following your instinct is the best way. And that was how I actually prepared. I will say though, I did still do the chiropractic care, like every other week I was going. And then I was still getting massages like once a month. And then I was going to see a pelvic floor specialist once a month, which is really great because they teach you how to breathe your baby down. It's such a weird phrase. And it's, I think just culturally, we just have to unlearn so much about birthing babies. And so having somebody, I don't know if this is TMI, but like having somebody actually do a real internal exam and have their hand on your cervix and say, this is what it looks like to bear down. This is what you should be doing when you're breathing your baby down. These are some really great birthing positions. And she showed me like, Hey, if you're starting to feel the baby in this place, this is what I want you to do. Um, Oh, and I haven't shared this part yet. I'm so lucky because my pelvic floor therapist is also a great friend. And so she came to my birth. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you plan, like, were you planning? I know you said you didn't like the water with your first, did you have a tub or anything like that for this home birth? I did have a tub this time. And I figured out it could have just been like me and how I was feeling, but the hospital, um, tub beautiful, but it has hard sides Mm -hmm. and like hard sides and like back labor, not a great combo. And so this time I went into labor, I like woke up and I was cramping. I wouldn't call it contractions, but like, I just felt cramping and I was just like trying to listen to my body. And I told my husband, like, I'm going to need eggs, bacon, cinnamon rolls, fruit, like load me up on the food. Cause I think this baby's coming today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so we did that and we did go ahead and get a tub ready and it was an inflatable tub. And so I think that made it so much, and it was bigger. I think those two things made the tub a lot more comfortable and I did enjoy it this time. So tell me then, I know you said you kind of woke up, we're having a little bit of contractions and you loaded up on the food. How, how was labor then? Was it just as fast, faster? I was expecting it to be just as fast, if not faster, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like what the story is. Right. And, um, I've seen so many people have like two hour births, especially if they're home birth. And I was expecting that. And no, actually this one was a bit different. I think it was six between five and six hours total. It's about the same time. Um, I had some cramps that weren't even real contractions. 
got into the tub, my daughter, we had the tub set up for like two weeks. And my older daughter, who at this point is now two, she kept calling it her boat. And Mm -hmm. so we let her play in her boat for a little bit. And then I got in and my contractions were like out of five. I would say like in terms of intensity, they were about middle of the road. And throughout my labor, they were not growing in intensity. And I was really um, like towards the end, I was kind of starting to get freaked out. So get in the tub, call the midwife after about an hour of laboring. And I was like, Hey, you know, it's just kind of like dull aching contractions right now, but you're welcome to come if you want. And plus my husband also has to watch my kid, our older daughter. And so like, I would love to have an extra hand. She comes over and along with her assistant, And then my friend who's the pelvic floor specialist came over and was kind of like acting as a doula and, um, labor in my mind was not progressing. So I would be like in the tub, these five minute contractions are just dull and achy, not really painful. And I kept asking like, how long have I been here? this labor is going to take a long time. And I started to feel a little bit deflated if I'm honest, because I thought maybe it wasn't progressing mm-hmm. and I had to pee. So everyone helped me out of the tub, which is so big. And I'm <laughs> sure that was hilarious. Um, I like get out of the tub and I go to the bathroom and I guess what had happened is my midwife told everybody else that's there. Hey, when she gets back in the tub, this baby is coming. And the other thing too, all midwives are very different. And so some of them are very medical and some of them are very hands-on and mine is from what I've heard. I'm not like super into their whole community. Right. But from what I've heard, she's definitely one of the more hands-off ones and definitely a bit more, maybe like on the woo-woo side, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. I loved it. And so I guess I get up to go to the bathroom and she tells everybody else in the room, like this girl's getting in the tub and the baby is coming. And that's exactly what happened. Maybe three or four contractions back in the water. And I wouldn't even call it pushing. And my daughter was born. And I think it's just, I wanted to share that particular part because I do think that so much of it's just from being relaxed at home and like really was just breathing. And so to me, I wasn't feeling progress because my first birth, each one kept growing and growing and growing in intensity. I was getting more and more and more tense and like not letting the waves like come. I was starting to anticipate them and like kind of reject them. And I know this probably sounds silly to like so many people, but, um, if you really do just like breathe through your contractions and be like, okay, this is what's bringing my baby into the world. Every contraction is bringing my baby closer. And you just believe that mantra wholeheartedly. Um, I really do think that's why my second birth, I wouldn't call it pain-free. I, that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but um, I, I think that's why it was just a more enjoyable process. Yeah, I I agree with that though, because even like with my birth, I had prepped like physically, like I had a TENS unit, I had tons of different like massage balls, Um, I had a rebozo, I had, I didn't have a tub because I was birthing at the hospital, but um, I used my tub here at home, I had candles, I had like um, scripture to hang up on the wall and like different, just, um, like affirmations. Like I had tons of physical preparation and I didn't touch a single thing. Like didn't touch a single thing. It was all my mindset. I just thought like every contraction, this is 60 seconds, just breathe through it. You can get through this one. Like I would only focus on the one I was in. And again, when it say my birth was pain-free, it was really intense, but I never call it painful. I just call it intense. Um, so I really do think that there's a lot of truth to what you said of just like breathing through it and just trying to like stay calm and relaxed. Um, because that was, I, I just think mental prep is like, it, it, my birth really changed my mindset. I used to think physical prep meant a lot. And now I'm like, it's like 99% mental. Yes. And I love what you just said, literally got chills because the birthing process, I, there's so many things that I love about it. 
And it is so true. You learn so much more about your mental fortitude and you get a little bit more mental toughness out of it. And it's not something that you have to grit and bear. It's just, I don't know. I just think it teaches you a lot about yourself and what you're capable of. And I've never felt more confident than like those 24 hours after I have a kid. Oh yeah. Um, you really do just like feel on top of the world. And maybe part of it is because I didn't, um, have anything to like suppress those, um, really sweet hormones or what, but, um, just knowing that you can do it. And like, you got to the other side and you, nobody can help you. Even if you do choose to get an epidural or something like that, like it's still you at the end of the day that has to walk it on your own. And you can have a supportive birth partner and a wonderful husband and an incredible doula and like the best birth team ever. But the only person that can get that baby out is you at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, that's very true. I, I totally agree. <laughs> all right. So then now postpartum, what was that like then kind of the difference being at home also from the hospital to having your baby at home after she was out? Mm, yes. So a lot. So I think <laughs> that this is maybe one of the coolest things about home birth is the time after. So my first daughter was born at one 30 in the morning. And of course they had just shut down the hospital kitchens nobody was delivering food. Like I said, I didn't even get to finish my steak dinner at home. And so I was so hungry and they basically went to CVS and like, just got me some gummies and like some snacks until the next morning. And then they want to check you every hour. And I'm glad that they do. That's their job. Right. I mean, it's just like what has to be done, but, um, you actually get this really sweet moment after a birth, if you are left alone, that you and baby get like this massive nap in like five hours. And so that's just not something that you can do at a hospital birth. They don't let you again, they have their reasons. And I respect that, but the home birth was so cool. First of all, I also just want to say that I had a rough placenta birth. So apparently this is something that's big with COVID. I did have COVID during pregnancy. Uh, I was like seven months pregnant when I had it asymptomatic, but I did test positive and, um, had a sticky placenta. So, or retained placenta in my mind is actually probably more what it was. My placenta was at the top of my bundle. Right word. Okay. Uterus fundus. Yeah. <laughs> fundus. Okay. My placenta okay. was at the top of my fundus and, um, it wasn't coming off of the uterine wall. And so I started hemorrhaging and the midwife ended up having this like sweet moment with my girl, you know, we're like snuggling. She's so cute, except she's like blue and she is staying blue. And so they cut the cord. Um, I was like trying to do like prolonged cord clamping, like the whole thing. Right. And like homegirl is just like blue as a blueberry at this point. Mm-hmm. Like we need to cut this cord. Something is like not right. And then, then she ends up fine and she's breathing and she's beautiful and all the things. Um, but I start hemorrhaging. And so they end up having to go in and she calls it like peeling an orange. Mm-hmm. It took six tries. My poor year. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. No, no. Okay, this was painful. Birth, just intense, not painful. Getting your uterus scraped out from your, in- or your um, placenta scraped out from your insides, very painful. Um, so that's what she um, did. You know, had to like scrape it out, took six tries blame us. And also just want to say that's a testament to home birth that like, even when things go wrong, that was best case scenario because I called my um, hospital midwife after the fact and just kind of shared with her. Cause now one of them and I, um, do speak pretty often and had heard that sometimes they actually will do a hysterectomy when it gets that bad, or they will put you under and then you can't nurse. So so many things that I'm just really grateful that I had a great team in the room, 100% trusted them with the process, never felt like I needed a hospital transfer and they just like handled it, um, with so much confidence. So immediately after birth, that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry if I just like went off on it. No, you're good. The rest of the time when you're looking at, um, hospital, a lot of interruptions, 
very sterile environment. There's an expectation of like, okay, you got to bathe your baby right now. And Hey, we got to take them and do blood work. And we want to wake you up every hour to give you like a stomach massage to make sure, you know, everything is good. And instead my daughter, Mila, the newborn, um, and I were just able to take a huge nap. My husband got ramen for us, <laughs> just like mm. sipped on my ramen, <laughs> um, which also into the 40 days, the postpartum 40 days of like eating all the warm food and the bras and things. So I was trying to do all of that. And we were just, we snuggled. And after my placenta debacle, I took like six weeks to just lay in bed and love on her and spend time together and nap together. (laughs) And it was really great. And I think it's like even affected her now. She's four months old and just her and I have bonded a lot better Mm -hmm. than I was with my first at this point in her life. Right. Um, I think there is a lot that happens hormonally when you can just snuggle your kid and have nothing else to worry about. So, yeah, yeah. I I've heard that like from a lot of people, just um, the postpartum experience when you're at home is just different. Like you just get to get in your own bed and wrap up with your newborn and like you kind of get left alone and you're already home and the mess gets cleaned up by somebody else. And um, yeah, I've heard just that, that part is really amazing. Yeah. They really do. Also, that's like one of the most common things people ask me and they do um, clean up everything for you. And you literally just lay in bed with your new baby and you get to enjoy it. Also your husband gets to lay in bed too. You know, (laughs) you guys all just get to like snuggle and like we watched a movie the first three or four nights, like even with our, our two-year-old, just all of us together. And that's something that, um, you know, a hospital, you have to sleep separate. Our two-year-old wouldn't have been allowed there at all. Right. And just I'm so grateful for those memories. It's sweet. Yes. That's awesome. So how was postpartum? Um, I know you said you kind of laid in bed for six weeks and just snuggled her. Um, but how was like just that healing experience? Again, second birth is great because you know a little bit more of what is normal and what isn't. Right. So from my hemorrhaging, I took a lot of blue cohush, which helps shrink your uterus back and was just feeling a bit trepidatious after that of like, Hey, like what is the healing process and protocol kind of look like? And probably overdid it because I was done bleeding by like one week, which is, oh gosh, I know I'm like, I, that was too much. Um, (laughs) but I do think I was more realistic about what postpartum is. Mm -hmm. So I was willing to lay in bed and be like, wow, this time does go so fast. Soak it up. Everybody else can do everything else. Dishes in the sink do not matter. In fact, I'm not even going to go downstairs to see the dishes in the sink. (laughs) I can't handle looking at it. But like, if I just stay up here in my cozy little bed, like I'm never going to know. And so I think in that way, I was just nicer to myself about taking the time and not feeling like I was being selfish for it. And also holding a better boundary of even visitors. And I think that our visitors got it better. So when we had our first daughter, I tried to set very clear limits of what it looked like to come to visit us. And I think a lot of people were just really shocked because I wanted it to be like, sorry, but like, you're going to come, like, can you bring food or like do things to help me? Yeah. Not in a selfish way. No, that's, that's valid. I agree. And I think that we took a lot of our close family and friends by surprise with that attitude. And this time around kept the same boundary and it was just met so much better. You know, people like really understood the purpose behind it. We're very much supportive and we just had so many people that like really stepped up and yeah, brought meals or came over and watched our two-year-old for us. So we could like get some extra baby time or vice versa would watch the baby a little bit so we could love on our older daughter during that time. And I really loved postpartum. Yeah, it it is. It's a good time where like, I always say to my husband, I'm like, I have one job right now and it's the baby. And like, 
don't get me wrong. That can still be like a really stressful job at times, um, an exhausting job at times, but it is like beautiful to be like, you know, I I do still like to like go out and kind of do other things and go on walks or like run to the store just because I like to do those things. But at the end of the day, it's really nice to be like, I have nothing on my schedule. Like if we have a rough night, I know at least the next day I got nothing on my schedule. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, it's great. So lastly, you mentioned two things in like your podcast intake, the, I don't know if it's like REI or re um, approach for parenting. And then you mentioned um, an elimination communication. I have no idea what either of those is. So I would love for you to tell me. Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) So we definitely do things differently here. I think one of the biggest things is the Rye approach, which is like Magda Gerber's approach, which is really just how to respect, respect infants. Mm. And so much of it is, you know, treating babies like whole people again, sounds a bit woo woo, but especially now that my older daughter is able to communicate and is two now. And like, we're just really seeing the fruits of all of that. And it's a lot of like asking babies before you pick them up and just like communicating with them what you're doing. So like, as an example, this morning we go to the chiropractor and I just tell her like, okay, Mila, we are going to the chiropractor. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to put you into your car seat. And when she's in the car seat, I'm like, okay, I'm buckling you up and I'm about to close the car door. So that way she knows. And we just talk to our little ones all day, not Sometimes I still use a baby voice, especially when we're playing. Like, it's just like, yeah, thing. you just do it. Um, but I do still try to talk to her like a real human and respect her as a full person, the way that she is. And I don't know. I just, I think that if, if you've never heard of Janet Lansbury or Magda Gerber, um, they're so cool. And like their take on infanthood is just really, really interesting. And I think it served our family well. And in the mix of all of that, while I was learning about um, just caring for infants, I guess you could say, I stumbled into something called elimination communication. And I had spent some time in Africa back 2012, 2013. And so many of the mamas there actually don't diaper 100% of the time, just because diapers are kind of expensive. And it's very much like a Western thing. Um, The rest of the world is like starting to adopt it, but has been a bit slower in the diapering process. And so I kind of noted that, but didn't have kids, was nowhere close to having kids. And I was like, hmm, fascinating. And then came to know elimination communication. And really what you're trying to do is you're watching your kiddo for signs that they need to go potty. And so we start even from day one with, the meconium, which is super obvious. Like if you just watch your kids, like, you know, when, um, they're super little, when they need to go potty, because the way it actually works is nobody wants to soil themselves. And so they will get really fidgety, arching their back. And every kid is a little bit different. Like I've seen differences from both of my kids. Um, but we offer a toilet to them from day one, from like some of their very first potties, And we found it to be really successful. And the cool thing is you don't have to do it like 100% of the time. So um, our older daughter was potty potty trained. She was using a potty independently by the time she was like 12, 14 months. But when they're with caregivers, I don't really expect our caregivers to be able to pick up on my, my infants, like little, little signs that she needs to potty. And so we do use diapers, um, when we're either out in public or when they're being watched by other people. But if they're just with us, it's usually like a diaper free environment. And we just really, we watch our kids and we look and see our two-year-old, not so much now, obviously she just uses the potty independently, but, um, and we just take note of like, wow, I see you're arching your back you might need to go potty. And then we sit her, it's like a little top hat potty that we use and sit around that. And it's, it works. I swear it works. And it's just so crazy. But, um, I think those are like some of the more interesting things that we do. That's different. 
Yeah, that's, I have like so many questions floating through my head right now because truly that is so, int- I mean, I agree. Like I can totally tell when my baby has to poop because she does like arch her back and she fidgets and I'll even tell my husband, I'm like, oh, she's about to go. And within 30 seconds, like she goes. Um, but what about peeing? Like, how do you notice that? Cause I feel like I don't notice when she has to pee. Yeah. The easiest pee catches are right when they wake up. I think that's like a good way to like step into it. So like after your baby wakes up, um, most of them will wait, like they won't pee in their sleep. Usually it'll be like, right. When they start getting kind of restless and like kicking their legs around, that's usually when they're using the restroom. And so whenever I see that she's starting to wake up, I just come in, take her diaper off and I like snuggle her and offer her the potty. And she, both of our kids have pretty much like, I would say 90% of the time go during that sweet time. Mm -hmm. And also below six months, a lot of times they will go while they're nursing or eating. Right. And so they'll be eating and then they pop off really quick, go potty, and then they'll hop back on to finish eating. And so those are the easiest ways to catch. And so I just put the potty, like for me as a nursing mom, I just put the potty in between my legs, take her diaper off. And then I'm just able to like cradle and feed her. And then her little bottom is on potty. Yeah. So you diaper at night though, you said, cause yes. that's the other thing I was thinking. I'm like, what about like those random, like nighttime? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So Do I was like, that'd be a lot of messes. Also, I feel like there's like a hierarchy of things, right? So like, I don't see elimination communication as being like the number one priority right. for me and our family at sleep. And so I'm not going to worry about potting like when they are sleeping or a miss if they are like in between asleep and awake and I feel like they might go back to sleep like it's not worth it like right. just use your diaper the other big thing that I do think really helps when you are learning elimination communication yourself is the second that you see that blue line just to go ahead and change it because both of my kids when they're both in diapers um do not like to be wet. And I think so much of it is because we don't let them be wet. And so when they are, they will straight up tell you. And so you kind of start to create this environment where like, they don't want to be wet. They will hold it. And again, we'll just tell her like, Hey, I, I hear you in the backseat. I bet you have to go potty. You can either go in your diaper now, or when we get home, I will take you on your potty. And she's four months Maybe she doesn't know what I'm saying, but I feel like she does because there's usually some kind of like baby dialogue that happens during that time where like she either feels comfortable enough to go in her diaper um, or she waits and she'll be like kicking in the back seat. And then I grab the, the potty really quick and off her and she goes. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very interesting. I never, I think I've heard of elimination communication, but I've never actually had anybody um, explain it or even come on the podcast and talk about it. So that's very mm-hmm. interesting. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, I bet it makes, it's got to make potty training easier because it's like, they've been started on that mindset. Even, you know, like you said, who knows if they're truly like fully understanding it, but there's gotta be like, just, I don't know how much their brain is just wiring and developing. There's gotta be a lot of connections that are made just from them, you know, sitting on that potty from, from day one, like you said. Yeah. And all you're doing is offering Right. At that age, there's no pressure to do it or not to do it. And again, like using the potty is probably the 10th thing as a parent that I'm like worried about. (laughs) Um, certainly not like top priority, but it is so great that they start to recognize the difference between being wet and dry and Hey, I actually prefer to be dry. And what can I do to keep myself dry? And also as parents, how can we be the most respectful to our kids? Because nobody wants to be wet. Nobody wants a diaper rash. Um, Nobody wants a soggy bottom. And so how can I treat them the same way that I would um, like offer respect to an adult, you know, and it would be like providing that space. So, yeah, I like that. That, I mean, it definitely like makes me think it just, uh, yeah, like I said, it just like jogs a lot of like, not even questions because you answered a lot of them, but just like a lot of thinking about you know, like you said, like the way that we treat our babies whole, like a whole person, even though maybe they don't understand everything, just asking permission and respecting them in that way is, is a very um, interesting take. And it completely makes sense. Truly. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Okay. So one last thing, what would be like your top bit of advice for a mom? 
just soak it up. And it's so hard. Oh my gosh. Also being fully transparent. This is something I have to remind myself of all the time. Um, two nights ago, my younger daughter, Mila took about two hours to fall asleep. She just wanted to be like rocked and held. And at that point, like I had done a hard arm workout that day. And of course, like it was just one of those days where you feel like you just did so much. And I really just wanted to like sit and watch the office. (laughs) And that was the day that she wanted to be rocked and held. And even in that moment, I was just telling myself, like, this really is such a precious time. And five years from now, you're going to like, wish you just like took this moment and enjoyed it. And so I'm telling myself that every day. And I'm sure other moms are as well. And we really do just have to enjoy the season of life that we're in right now. Yeah. I actually just read something on Instagram today, just about that. Like just sit there and cuddle your baby and don't feel guilty about it. Like, like I said, like I try to tell myself that I have no other job than this right now. Um, And it's really hard not to remind, or it's really hard to not like, it's really hard to remember that every day. Um, And something that I read on Instagram, she said, you know, like, let the world keep revolving around you and you'll catch back up with mm-hmm. it when you need to. And I thought that was good because I, right now my daughter is about to be six weeks and, um, I have a bad habit of just being like, the world is moving around me. Like I need to jump in there and I can't let it go without me. And it was just a good reminder this morning. Like the world can go without you for a time period and you can jump right back on in when you're ready. Mm, I love that. And also it's really important work. It is. It does feel like, you know, you get a little bit of FOMO socially, right? Like now I don't want to, I mean, one, they don't want to pay a sitter for like four hours for Mm -hmm. me to go out to dinner and just like the chaos that can happen. Like I'm just less likely to go out in the evenings and I feel like I'm missing out or even professionally, you know, taking that step back. But there's, this is really freaking great work that we get to do as moms to invest in a person and like help make them feel attached and knowing that the way that we're honoring and treating them in that moment when they want to be held for two hours is what's going to make them a strong, confident adult that can have healthy relationship. And again, preaching to myself right now, because I know that it's always, you know, you're getting that test right when you really need some space yourself, but, um, I just love love them. So, yes, that's great. Well, Britt, thank you for coming on the podcast and for teaching me a few things as well as sharing both of your birth stories. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.